Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have the incredibly talented Taryn Williams, a former international model and event producer. Taryn Williams is an entrepreneur, a speaker, founder and CEO of the Right Fit and Wink Models. While she's still across both of her businesses, she works full-time with the Right Fit, which is a platform disrupting the status quo among talent agencies and the clients that use them. Taryn remains a senior advisor to the Wink team, which was founded in 2007, a leading commercial modelling agency. Taryn has made a strong name for herself in the industry over the past 10 years and has been named as a finalist in the 2015 Female Entrepreneur Awards, 2015 BNT Hot 30 Under 30 and Smart Company 30 Under 30. So I'm sure you will be blown away with this interview. So sit back, tune in and enjoy. So welcome to the show, Taryn Williams. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm very good. As I was just saying, I'm so glad we finally have got you on the (laughs) show. We've been trying for quite some time now. It's great to finally make our schedules work. I know. So you've been saying, you were saying before, you've been really, really busy. So do you want to maybe start with uh, telling us a little bit about what you do and uh, how you got to where you got to? Yeah, absolutely. So I founded my first business, Wink Models, um, nearly nearly bang on 10 years ago now. Um, so that's been keeping me busy for a decade. Um, I founded that when I was 21 years old and um, it sort of rose from, I've been in the industry a long time working both client side as a producer um, and talent side as an ex-model myself and um, sort of saw all the pain points in the industry and all the things that I wanted to change and making it more efficient, um, making the experience better for clients and talent and treating people fairly and with decency and respect and most importantly paying them on time and so that was sort of the, uh, the idea for my first business, Wink, um, and we've now got over 650 models Australia-wide, offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, an amazing team that run that business um, and do all of the hard yards day to day. So I'm very, very blessed to have an incredible managing director in that business um, who looks after it now um, because about 12 months ago, I stepped away to start another business called The Right Fit which is an online marketplace for creative talent. So we have essentially anything that you could need to bring together an above-the-line or below-the-line campaign. So photographers, models, social media influencers, hair and makeup artists, stylists, the list sort of goes on and on. And um, we've built a a two-sided marketplace to connect these people. So 
um, when clients need talent, they can post a job and, and find the people that they need. And when talent want work, they can find jobs available that suit them. And um, we manage all of the booking and, and payment process straight through the platform to make it all safe and secure and, and just deal with that latent supply and demand in our industry to allow people to find work and, and manage their own careers and, and keep themselves safe and sound. So that's been keeping me very, very busy for the last sort of 12 months. Um, we raised venture capital funding um, last year. Um, so we've just been on an aggressive growth path and um, onboarding clients and talent and um, learning a lot along the way. So it's been yeah an incredible year. Wow, you do have your hands full. So how did you start all this? Did you start, did this all start for you as a model? Yeah, so I started modeling when I was about 15 um, and really, really loved the industry. I mean, it afforded me some amazing opportunities. I got to travel the world. I got to work with some of the most incredibly talented and creative people. Um, and yeah, just have some amazing life experiences that I don't think, you know, a young person would get in any other sort of career so I really really loved the industry and there were so many things I loved about it but there were so many pain points and so many inefficiencies and inequalities and people who had bad experiences with their bookers or um, you know weren't treated fairly or who didn't get paid on time or who didn't get paid at all and it was sort of what the industry was known for um, so the whole idea for Winks sort of came out of my experience firsthand um, going through that process and then having worked client-side as a producer, um, seeing it from a client's perspective and seeing how inefficient it was for a client as well, um, you know, how manual everything was and um, how time-consuming the whole process was and that they didn't get great services from, from these middlemen, these agents and, and brokers in between either, so... Wow, that's interesting. So obviously, you're, you can you can see just from your experience that's what got you inspired to do what you're doing, and very you are very driven, very driven. And I guess what you were saying, like when you're talking about the pain points, because you've actually gone through the pain points and dealing with the pain points, um, this is how you've started up these two businesses. Do you currently still go through pain points in dealing in your own business? Yeah, and I think that's the most important part is uh, is learning how to innovate and um and I suppose take customer feedback and and um I'm obviously still deeply ingrained. I have a lot of domain expertise in our industry, um, but it's really important for other people, especially my tech team, to to have more of a helicopter view of of how the platform operates and how the businesses operate and be able to give that perspective and and that feedback and that key learnings and. Um, to keep pivoting, to keep taking on board those learnings and seeing the pain points that we come through as a business and saying, how can we do things better? How can we either innovate the product or how can we offer a better experience or how can we add new features and new functionality? So it's a constant sort of iterative process. So because I know a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and business owners and we quite often like to talk about pain points and sort of hone in and get down to the specific pain point. If there was one specific pain point that you find that it crops up often in your in your business, what would be that one pain point that you know you stumble across all the time? I think with a with a fragmented team, so our team's obviously best all over the world. So we've got um, I have obviously people in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, I've team member in Bangkok I have people in New York um, at different times of the year we have people in London so it, at the moment the biggest pain point for us is is learning how to communicate and all stay on the same page when we're not all in the same office um, especially at the pace that our business moves at so we've really learned um, to over communicate so um, we, we do talk about it a lot because we we have different methods of communication um, for different sort of types of communication so we use slack for sort of day-to-day chat, um, which is like a sort of messaging service if you haven't used it. We have emails for certain things. We have WhatsApp groups for certain things. We have Skype for certain things. So 
we really realised quite early on in the piece that people who are, were not based in us in Sydney HQ, especially for the right fit, um, were feeling really disconnected from the team and, and small little details and small little nuances, especially of a product build or customer feedback and things like that, can so easily be missed if, if you're not all in the same office and you're not overhearing conversations. So it's definitely a pain point that we come up you know, against all of the time where something might have been missed in communication or there was an assumption that someone knew that you know, someone had been told something. So, yeah, we're now getting to a point where we're implementing, you know, really great systems and processes and, and really all trying to, to over-communicate. So when you think, you know, you've told someone something or you think everyone's on the same page, you know what, just say it again and, and organise a face-to-face meeting if you can or tee up a Skype call and, you know, we have um, we have daily catch-ups, daily stand-up meetings um, with the tech team and then we have a once-a-week full team meeting to just really make sure that, Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's heard. And it's also where the, the great innovation happens, where those little sparks of ideas, um, you know, really come to fruition, where someone might offer a really valuable insight that might not have been, you know, their particular part of a project, but they'll offer some sort of gem of wisdom. So getting that communication piece down has been really difficult. And I'm not going to say we've, we've perfected it yet, um, but it's definitely something that we're working on. Well, you've definitely come up with a few solutions. And I think that with any business, we all fall into that trap of assuming and making assumptions. We've all done it, including myself. I mean, we have people um, all over the place ourselves and we quite often do the same thing. We're assuming uh, somebody received our communications or assuming that they understood what exactly what we were talking about. Um, and, and sometimes you need to have that conversation over again just to make sure that we are on the same page and we do understand which, you know, who's doing what kind of thing. Definitely. Mm. So if I was to ask you, what's, one, one, what's, what's that one thing that makes you just jump out of bed in the morning to do what you do? Oh, for me, it's probably problem solving. I've always loved like seeing problems and thinking oh, with the right resources and the right people around me. I could solve this, I could make this better. You know, I think that was sort of the genesis for Wink and um, and definitely for the right fit, trying to connect people. Seeing these, um, how industries are adapting and evolving and, and change and, you know, especially the advent of social media influences and small bits of digital snackable content, seeing, okay, this is a pain point for someone, how can we solve it? And I love just getting my hands dirty and going, okay, let's bring the right people together, let's bring the right resources um, let's sit down and, and workshop this and just really getting to the bottom of something and, and, and solving that problem is, is what, yeah, I, I absolutely love. Mm, and that's a really good point of focus, especially in business. It's, it's quite interesting how often many entrepreneurs and business owners actually don't look at their customers' pain points to come up with a solution. They just go out there and this is our product or service without actually realising. Mm, knowing if it's actually solving someone's problem. That's, that's right. exactly right. So it's a great point of focus. So, Taryn, with the benefits of hindsight, would you have done anything different? Oh, definitely. So many things. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I mean, you learn so many things. I was so young when I started my first business and with the blissful naivety of youth, you really think that you can do it all and you have no idea how difficult it's going to be. And in some ways, I think that's really important because if you did know how difficult it was going to be, you probably would never get started. So, um, there's just so many things I would have done differently. I would have hired people sooner. I would have hired experts in their field um, sooner. I would have, yeah, you know, there's there's so many key learnings along the way and, um, you know, and I still experience them every day. I mean, that one of the reasons that I started The Right Fit was that I was really keen to, to start learning again, to really challenge myself and obviously going through raising um, capital for the first time and 
scaling a high growth tech company has I've learned so much. So it's definitely things that you look back on and, and you think, you know, day to day I think I could have handled that differently or when I experience that problem next time I'm definitely gonna use those key learnings from that opportunity and take those snapshots and moments of reflection and yeah, I think it's really important. Very wise woman. So, Taryn, how did you, if you don't mind me asking, and I'm sure our listeners are thinking the same thing because I'm sure there's been lots of organisations that have looked at crowdfunding and, and raising funds. I mean, how did you go about it, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, we were really strategic. So um, I was in a fortunate position that I didn't have to raise capital. Um, we could continue to self-fund the project. Um, I did have an existing business that was um, cash flow positive, so I could continue to, to fund my startup. So... Um, we were very strategic in how we went about raising funds. We really sat down. It wasn't just about raising um, what I call dumb money. We didn't need just capital. We needed really great strategic partners. We needed people who were going to bring so much more than just that cash injection. We needed them to bring skills, expertise, be you know hands-on um, contacts. You know, really be be a part of our journey and and be a part of our team. So. So I sat down with my team and went through, okay, well, you know, what would our dream investors look like? What skills would they have? What backgrounds would they come from? Um, you know, what, what do we need that we don't have? And, you know, one of them was marketplace experience and, you know, others are advertising agency connections. And so we sat down and really made a hit list of, okay, who would we love to work with? Who inspires us? Who motivates us? Who would we love to have around as that, you know, sounding board, and um, and then we reached out to them and said, you know, we'd love to come in and see you and, and take you through um, what we're doing and and um, see if you might be interested in being involved. So that was sort of the genesis of how we got started, and we were very very lucky to get the exact people that we wanted um, on our team and, and invested in and a part of our journey. So. Wow, that's it's not amazing. easy, but <laughs> it's, you made it sound very easy. That's amazing because yeah. I know for myself, you know, in my past experience, it's not one of those things that's easy. You have to, you know, you go. It, it's it's not one of those one conversations. You, you have to ac- absolutely um, select the right people with the right talent. Um, understand, you know, how much also that you require in your project, and be able to talk through the whole why they should invest in what you do. And I know for me that it's not an easy process. So you made it sound very seamless and very easy. So what was yeah, your what was your trick? Very daunting. <laughs> what was your trick? Obviously, there's there's something that you've done to make it work for you. That was that. Obviously, something that you know. Obviously, I need to. Oh, uh, we all need to know. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that there's a silver bullet solution, and it, it's just a case of including one particular slide in your IM, but. If there's no magic solution, I think um, investors invest in ideas, they invest in founders, they invest in um, in teams and, and your vision and the, and the blue sky, I guess. So um, I think obviously, um, you know, it's about we, we were first to market. Um, obviously, I had a lot of domain expertise. We had a great team. Um, but yeah, no, look, it definitely wasn't easy. And, um, you know, you have to be really strategic in, in how you approach it and, um, we spent a lot of time getting prepared and making sure we had a really thorough IM um, together before we went went to market and that we really understood the size of the market and the, the opportunity there for our investors and had a really clear financial model and um, and a plan of what we were going to create and how we were going to roll out. So it definitely wasn't easy. By no means was it an easy or quick process. Um, and it's incredibly time-consuming and um, incredibly daunting, especially doing it for the first time. But I think just surround yourself with great people would probably be my best advice. I mean, get we had an amazing CFO. I have an amazing mentor who's um, very, very close to to, um, to me and working on this project with me. So 
I think it's just important to have those people around you as a sounding board who've been through this process before and can offer great gems of wisdom and, and really help guide you because it is a, a daunting and, and overwhelming experience the first time. Oh, it, I, I know it is. It very much so. And, I mean, you know, you've got to be prepared to get the nose as well. Did yeah. You, did you get any nose? We we actually oversubscribed around, so it was um, it was a little bit of a difficult situation where we, we had to say no to some people and we definitely had people that, um, when we got to sort of closing off the round and saying, look, you know, are, are you in or are you not, who had to say, look, no, look, unfortunately we can't come in on this round. Um, the offer wasn't right for them at the time. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a difficult – juggling a lot of relationships and making sure that, you know, every, everyone's on the same page and you all want the same thing because success has to look the same to you and your investors. That's the most important thing. You have to be aligned as to what success looks like. Because, um, you know, you're all in this journey together and they only succeed if you succeed. So mm. I think that's really important. And, and obviously you didn't use any platform like this or so many like crowd, crowdfunding platforms. You did this on your own? Yeah, no, we, yeah, we raised straight with Venture Capital. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. So what do you think is the number one reason most organisations or businesses fail to succeed? Oh, gosh, really, you know, in this day and age, it really varies. I mean, I think there's a lot of markets being disrupted at the moment. Um, if companies aren't innovating, um, aren't looking to innovate, um, aren't aware of, you know, if they're the incumbent and they're, they're not aware of, you know, what else is happening in their space and they're not seeing how the landscape is changing, I think we'll see a lot of companies being disrupted um, in the next sort of 12 to 18 months, um, especially as, as startups can be so much more nimble. Um, but, you know, it's easier to go to market now. Um, the barriers to entry in a lot of markets have changed. So, um, but I mean, it can be any number of things. It can be a founder, you know, um, not being able to bring on board the right people. It can be running out of capital before you get product market fit. It can be the state of the economy. There's so many different things. And I think, you know, that's the, the challenges that you face up to every single day. And it's, it is so challenging as, as a founder and as a, a startup. So, yeah, because quite often you'll hear startups, you know, they're lucky to make it till 12 months. So we always mm -hmm. like to look at what is it that, you know, especially in your industry, I guess, too, if you had to look at your industry uh, specifically, what would be that one thing that most of them fail? I would say probably in our space, um, not not adapting technology, not um, not embracing the changes in technology to expedite like the booking and casting process, mm -hmm. um, things being still done so manually. Um, which really prevents their ability to scale um, and obviously also the opportunity for human error and the cost that that can have on a business. So I think that's probably the biggest thing for our industry. Yeah. And, I mean, with every every business, including myself, I and mean, when we all come across roadblocks, and is there any specific roadblock that you come across and um, that it's one of those things that, um, you know, let's look at just one specific roadblock that comes up quite often in your industry? Oh, I think probably in any, any industry, it's finding the right people, um, mm. finding your tribe, you know, finding the people that understand your vision, understand the product, that, um, you know, are really willing to get in the trenches with you every single day. Um, that, that's a huge challenge, um, finding people who are the right cultural fit, who have the right skill set, who are at the right place in their lives. And especially in a startup, it's a hugely demanding, you know, role to take on. Um, it's definitely not a nine to five and um, there's definitely no safety or security or anything like that. So finding those people um, and getting them flourishing alongside you and really thriving is incredibly difficult. So it's, um, it's not easy, but when you find them and when you get those right people who are really, you know, kicking goals and really on board with you, it, it, it's incredible. 
And what's your trick for that? Because we've quite we've had quite a few um, our women of inspirations that have come on this show. This has been one of the things that we've talked about is getting the right people on board. And you know, and I think that sometimes your you know, unconscious bias gets in the way. Uh, you think this person's a right fit, and it's you know they look great on paper, and then they come on board and they just just don't. Uh, don't cut it kind of thing. So um, I wish I had the solution. If anyone else has got the solution, please call me or email me and tell me the solution. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I think it's, look, um, you know, the more you experience it, the more people you hire over time, um, I think you start to get a feel of what's going to work for your organisation and the right sort of people to bring on board and that are going to fit well for your team. But there's certainly no no easy solution to that one. You're absolutely right. People look great on paper and um, and can just not be the right fit Um for you internally, um, and you know it is it, especially in a startup, your your company changes so quickly. So they might be the right person now, but they might not be the right person in six months' time. So it's keeping abreast of all the changes and trying to look forward and go, okay, is this someone that can grow into that role in in six months' time? Are they going to be the person that we need as as we start to scale and as we you know open in new markets and things like that? So it's it's incredibly challenging. I think that 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 people piece is is the most challenging part of any organization. Mm, I agree. I, I absolutely. And you're you're right. You've got to remain flexible in business and and uh, and it's true sometimes uh, some individuals are right for this role right now, but then maybe in 6 months, 12 months time that you might see them in a different role. Absolutely. Yeah. And you talked about your tribe. So how do you find because this is another thing that we always talk about when you're talking about the people piece is how do you find your right tribe? Mm, I think you have to be really brutally honest in the onboarding process. Um, we try to be absolutely brutally transparent and honest um, with prospective employees about every single part of our organization from, from what we can afford to pay them to what equity options look like down the track to our plans for scaling the business um, to, you know, culturally how we work, um, to how the team fits together, to, you know, opportunities for growth. Um, to challenges that they're going to come across in their role or in the team. Um, and I think the more open and honest and transparent you can be with prospective employees, the more you're going to find people who um, are really honestly um, open to coming on board and being a part of that, you know, whether whether they want to embrace that and say, okay, well, this is, this is a company that I see. They've been open and honest with me and this is something that I want to be a part of and that I believe in and that I fiercely, you know, want to – fight for and um and join but it, it is incredibly difficult um i think yeah you, you do get better at it as you i suppose hire and fire more more people over the years um you know just through experience but yeah. no it is it is difficult and hopefully you know we're quite lucky now and in, in the people seek you out people recognize um what you're doing and i think they have an attachment to your to your brand or your story or um, what you're trying to create and, you know, we'll reach out and say, you know, I'd love to work with you and, and here's why and here's why I believe in the idea and the product and concept. I just love your energy, full of energy. You're definitely waking <laughs> me up this morning. <laughs> A few coffees in this morning. <laughs> um, the other thing I was thinking of too as you were speaking and, and you're right about finding your tribe and when we're talking about finding a tribe and quite often we're talking about, you know, getting really down to specific details about your avatar or your, your niche market. Do you, are you that specific when it comes to your external tribe? So you're talking about your internal tribe, but your followers, are you, are you very clear about who they look like, what do they do? what are their pain points or um, how did you go about it? Yeah, definitely. We spent a lot of time doing, um, you know, customer research before we launched, especially the right fit, um, working out what our customer pain points were, exactly what they looked like, creating personas of different types of people that would be using the platform, 
what their pain points are in day to day, everything down to the granularity of, um, you know, demographics where they might live, their age and, and things like that to really make sure that we were trying to, to you know, answer the problems that they were facing. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important to go through that process and work out, okay, who, who are our users going to be? Are we genuinely solving their problem? Um, what sort of subcategories do they fall into and how do we message to each of those people um, who are these people that we'll be working with and um, how can we talk to them in a, a language that's relatable to them? How can we solve their problems as quickly and easily as possible? And, and how can we find them? How can we quickly and easily get to these people and onboard them? Mm. And, and do you have more than one avatar? Because obviously with the type of business that you've got from wing to the right fit, you have, mm. I, I think, a kind of variety of avatars. Mm, definitely. Our, our market base is, is huge. So we work with everything from, you know, startup entrepreneur individuals who are looking to book their very first photographer or their very first social media influencer to launch their brand um, right through to, to global ad groups who are booking, um, you know, a, a global television commercial or, or something. So it, we definitely have more than one avatar. We definitely have more than one persona of, of type of client that uses our um our platform and also on the talent side we obviously have a huge range of um, diverse talent on the platform so everything from photographers makeup artists social media influencers bloggers um, actors stylists um, of all different ages and ethnicities and backgrounds and locations so it's um it's been really interesting you know definitely seeing the feedback from both sides of the marketplace and um, yeah, definitely learning how to solve those problems for those different groups. And do you, from a, I guess, from a social marketing point of view, when you actually talk to your different avatars, I mean, do you have to change depending on what your, I guess, your target market or who you are speaking to, or do you mm. just do more of an overarching message to your tribe? Yeah, we definitely. I spent a lot of time at the start getting very clear on our tone of voice. And it's one of the first things that um, I do when I launch a company is really sit down and work on firstly internally cultural values um, and making sure everyone's on board with those. But then working out what our tone of voice is as a company, how we speak, um, what our values are and how we communicate those publicly. So there is definitely a consistency across how we speak to all of these um, different personas. Um, it definitely needs to be consistent. I think that's incredibly important. Um, people need to identify with your brand and understand that, how they're going to be spoken to, what our values are um, and how those come through and how we communicate. But, of course, there's definitely different messaging for both sides of the marketplace. So how we speak to, to talent, especially, you know, the uh, younger generation on social media um, is, is very different, of course, to how we speak to established brands and corporates. Mm. Well, you're a very, very wise woman. I'm sitting here going, I still can't <laughs> believe how much you've done and how much you're doing at a very young age. Oh, and so on you. that, what advice would you give your younger self? oh gosh there's so many things I wish I'd known now that um yeah that I knew then that I know now um probably there's a lot of things yeah get the right people around you as quickly as possible um so that you can scale and don't feel like you have to do it all yourself um have a mentor my mentor has been absolutely invaluable to me and having someone around you as an independent sounding board that you can um really bounce ideas off and who can keep you grounded and um you know, be, be there in your corner, um, I think is incredibly important because it can be an like very isolating and lonely journey otherwise. Um, and probably just to enjoy the ride a little bit more. I think um, it's very hard when you're, you're in a business, working in a business to, to sort of take a, a helicopter view and, and have an appreciation of, of what you're creating and the people that you're working with, um, you know, when you're sort of fighting day to day and putting out 
putting out the fires and, and babbling through. So I think probably to take a little bit more of a um, yeah, broader perspective and, and um, take a moment to snapshot some of the journey along the way and, and really appreciate those moments because it's easy to, to miss them otherwise. Oh, it's so true, isn't it? I mean, mm. I, I agree with what you're saying. We get so caught up being in the business that we forget to take that that view or the helicopter view or even looking yeah. back at, at what you've achieved because we're so yeah. focused on moving forward. Yeah, and there's always something else to do, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely, I know. So who's been your greatest influence? Oh, wow. That's a, a great question. Um there's been a few people over the years that, um, over different periods of my life, I think that have been incredibly influential, um, depending on the problems that I was sort of trying to solve or going through at the time. Um, I had a, a mentor when I was 18 or 19, um, who was from an advertising agency background who really taught me so much about the space and, um, how businesses operated, um, how startups operated, all the, the problems of managing a team and growing a company. So he was incredibly valuable to me. And my mentor now has a background, he's a CTO and, and background in tech and entrepreneurship and has grown and scaled and sold and exited like a number of companies. So um, he's been incredibly vital to me in going through this. It's growing a very different type of company. Um, the right is so different to, to Wink. And um, so he's. it's just been so... Um, amazing having someone like that around me to to yeah to mentor me and to really show me the ropes and um, you know, keep keeping you abreast of what you need to be looking for as as the company grows so quickly so yeah and I and then of course my parents have been incredibly grounding and um, supportive and I'm so lucky to have such wonderful you know friends and family around me who are you know such champions and such support and and yeah that, that grounding influence when things can get a little bit difficult Oh, that's amazing. So what we always do um, uh, with every woman of inspiration that comes on the show, we always ask them to pick one word that best describes their personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Oh, gosh. One word. Oh, God, I feel like we should poll this and, and ask people what they think. <laughs> well, you could if you wanted to. <laughs> oh, I suppose people would probably say driven, um, I think, Um I really like the word grit. There's some, there's an amazing TED talk on grit. If anyone hasn't watched it, they really should. Um, that you know, really digging deep, and you know, it's, it's everyone gets knocked down. Everyone has um, hard times and 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 moments where things don't go your way. And, and the most important thing is you know being able to get back up. That that grit to drive and and say I can I can solve this or I can get back up and and try again. And um, you know that's what what really keeps you going. So. Either of those, I'll take. <laughs> I love grit; it's a great word, and I do. I do see you look. Just uh, speaking uh, to you and hearing about your journey, I definitely find you very motivated. Highly motivated. It's amazing. You've got an amazing drive. Oh, thank you so much. It really means a lot. No, and so the other thing we do as we wrap up the show, we always ask our, our lovely woman of inspiration to leave us with three golden nuggets uh, for our listeners. So, what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners? Oh, these are great. Um, oh, talking about personal brand, I think um, one thing I didn't know at the start or that I hadn't really thought about is that you have a personal brand whether or not you choose to control it or not. So whether or not you, um, you know, take control of it or don't, you, you have that. It's inherently part of who you are as an entrepreneur or a business person. So I probably didn't decide to really take control of my personal brand until the last sort of 24 months. And 
think it's something really valuable to sit down and decide, you know, who am I and, and what causes resonate with me and how do I want to be perceived and how can I control that so that, you know, you're really in the driver's seat instead of it sort of happening around you and, um, you know, being at cause instead of being at effect. So um, I think that's one thing that I would I recommend people do, sit down and really think about, you know, what, what do I want my personal brand to be and, and then aligning yourself with, um, you know, charities and, and um, missions and, um, you know, careers and, and people that, that align with that. I think that's um, one thing I'd recommend. Um, probably taking time out. Um, this is something that, look, I, I wish I had the another silver bullet solution for you here, but um, trying to get some perspective, um, trying to find a way to to do that. Mine at the moment, I don't, whilst I don't have it nailed, is um, just trying to have a regular exercise routine and then having a digital detox. So, I don't have my I don't have phones in the bedroom. It's a rule in our house, so phones go on charge downstairs and don't come into the bedroom. And I think that that's just a really important way. You, that you, there's this always on mentality, and you know, obviously, especially with international offices, there's always someone online and always something that needs to be done. But I can't bring my best self every day to my team if I'm you know drained and and not sleeping well and and not looking after myself first. So I think that's really important. Find a way to whether it is exercise or meditation or yoga or, yeah, you know, having a digital detox. I think finding something that works for you so that you're nourishing yourself is, is really, really important. And then the last one, you find, find, those, find those tribe, the, those people that you can get flourishing alongside you, the, the people who are going to be your biggest champions, whether it's personally or professionally, someone that's going to be in your corner and be your biggest cheerleader and um, yeah, that, that can champion your success, I think is, is really important because it's an incredibly tough journey. It's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. Otherwise everyone would do it. So finding those people that, um, you know, have got your back and, and obviously that you've got theirs and that can be your sounding board and, um, and are there for the ride because yeah, you, you will need them, need them. You'll need someone to call on. And, um, so find them and, um, and reach out to them and, and make sure they know how much, they mean to you and um but yeah that it's they're so valuable and and you can obviously give that to someone else too oh gosh i love them love those three golden nuggets and i love it it's true about your personal brand you're always on even whether like you said whether you you actually acknowledge it or not we just it's even the way that we talk the way that we listen the way that we act the way that we write we're on a show the whole time yeah. but i think that it, i like the fact that it's like make a decision of what your personal brand is going to be for you and then live that, which I love yeah. that, which quite often you find people don't even do that. Yeah, it's so easy to just sort of let life happen. And I think when you take those moments to really sit down and, and get clarity on those things, everything becomes so much easier. It's so much easier to make decisions about whether you should be involved in something or whether you're going to take that interview or um, hire that person or be involved in that charity, you know, when you really are clear about who you are as, a, mm. as an individual and who your personal brand is. I just love that. Love them all. So, Taryn, thank you so, so much for your time. Yeah, How will our listeners find you? You can. I'm on Instagram, um, just Taryn Williams. Um, both of our companies are on uh, Instagram as well. So it's just at Wink Models or at the right.fit. Um, you can definitely reach out to me via email, just Taryn at the right dot fit, um, or look me up on LinkedIn. Thank you once again so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm delighted that we finally got to finally catch up. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks.
That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.